0: Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, this morning, it'll be Matthew 6 to 9, uh, 6, 9 to 13. God's prayer. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you, Callum. Uh, I've shared a little bit in the past about my childhood and what it was like for me growing up. And one of the realities of my teenage years, and many of you, I'm sure, will relate with this, following Jesus in my teenage years, was incredibly difficult Uh, i grew up in albany uh, and the church that i was attending in albany only had one other christian that was kind of around my age uh, so that had some challenges Uh, i went to the youth group occasionally but it just sort of depended on who was there and what was going on and how that went and i went to a school that it wasn't a christian school it was a government school uh, and they kind of knew that i was the christian kid and i wasn't popular anyway get alone once they found out that i was the christian kid uh, there was also of, lots of challenges. I had lots of friends who weren't Christian, uh, who liked to explore things that probably weren't exactly what a good Christian should be exploring. I had some other friends that were sort of interested in things that weren't particularly helpful. And so I found being a Christian in my teenage years really difficult. What about you in, in different seasons of life when you found faith difficult? But when you found it Difficult to follow Jesus. Uh, One of the things that I was doing at the time is God just didn't seem to answer my prayers. I'd be praying that God would bring along some more Christian friends or would would change things up or would make it more possible for me to, to stand for my faith. And it just felt like God wasn't there. Like God wasn't present. And I wonder if you had some times in your life where you've kind of felt like God was distant, that he just didn't seem to be answering your prayers. Now, eventually what happens, fast forward towards the end, when I was sort of about 17 and coming towards the end of my time in school, and I had to work out the million dollar question, what do you want to do with your life? And I remember at that time, there was one prayer that I was praying. There was other prayers I was praying too that God was ignoring, but that's okay. The prayer that I started to pray that he actually then answered was this one. I prayed that he would help me find my way back to the faith that I once had. I prayed that he'd help me find my way back to the faith that I once had. See, I was baptised at eight. We were at Subiaco Church of Christ at the time in Perth, because that's where we lived until I was eight. Uh, And that was a really significant time in my life. We then moved to Albany. And so towards the end of year 12, I remember as I was praying this prayer that it basically became, no, I kind of got the idea that God was saying to me, you need to move back to Perth. You need to get back to Subiaco Church of Christ. You need to get back to that place because that was where there was, there was something tied in with that church in my experience of faith as an eight-year-old that God was going to unlock in me. And so why did he not answer those other, other prayers? I don't know, but this is the one that he answered. And so I got into university, only did a year there that, that obviously was just to serve a purpose, which was to get me to live near Subiaco. And so I went to UWA for a year so I could go to Subiaco Church Christ. And across that year, my faith was fanned into a flame. I was called to Bible college and called along the path that I'm on today. I started to pray, help me to get back to the faith that I once knew. I'm sure many, if not most of us, have answer, or have questions sorry, about unanswered prayers. You know, there's prayers that you've been praying for days, for weeks, for months, for years. And for some reason, God doesn't seem to be answering them. He doesn't seem to be there. How do we know when God is going to answer our prayers? How do we know what prayers God is going to answer? How do we pray? Why do we pray? And what role does prayer have in the life of faith? These are the questions that I want us to explore today uh, here at Austin Cove. Uh, We're finalising our series here, looking at the parables of Jesus. And as a church, our mission is to journey with people towards Jesus. And the way that we're currently exploring that, the way that we're journeying towards Jesus, is by looking at the parables of Jesus, looking at what he taught. Now, the, the challenge with the parables is that he wasn't necessarily, Jesus, when he was sharing these, he wasn't giving you like an instruction manual of a A plus B equals C. He wasn't trying to give a really, uh, you know, stories that necessarily told you everything you needed to know. Many of the parables that Jesus shared, you have to dig a little bit you've got to kind of go and ruminate on what he was saying and to reflect and to think critically about what was going on. In fact, there are many times when Jesus shares a parable with a large group and then he just walks away and his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, what was that all about? And then he tells the disciples what he meant. But it wasn't uncommon for the parables that he shared... To actually require a little bit of work, a little bit of effort to dig in and understand what he was trying to teach. And so today we're going to look at a parable that Jesus shares about prayer and what we can learn and glean about prayer through that parable. Uh, Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to find ourselves. So feel free to open up if you've got your phones or your Bibles. Uh, it will also be up on the screen for you to follow along. Uh, Luke chapter 11. And we're going to pick it up at verses 1 to 4. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, you might recognize those words, but they don't quite seem right, do they? It's not quite the fullness of what you might know. So this kind of prayer where Jesus teaches people how to pray is found twice in the Gospels. It's only found in two places. It's found in Matthew, and it's also found here in Luke. Now, one of the things that's believed as they've dug into and sort of looked at what was going on here is that this is actually two separate occasions that these are actually two places where Jesus teaches to pray. Because the famous one, the one that's become the Lord's Prayer, which is read to us before by Callum, is found in the Gospel of Matthew. And that was actually part of the Sermon on the Mount. Whereas the context for this one is actually on a time when Jesus is there praying. And in effect, it's basically believed that Jesus used this prayer many times, or at least the basics of this prayer, many times in different places to teach people how to pray. Uh, So we we only have four Gospels, which might seem like a lot, but Jesus was actually walking with them for three years, and I think he spoke more than just what was contained within those four Gospels. We've got all that's determined to be important But it's also very commonly believed at the time. If you were actually a a rabbi and you had some disciples following you like Jesus did, you would repeat these stories again and again and again in lots of different contexts. And so we find here some important aspects that are very similar to the Lord's Prayer. About calling God Father, which actually was a big thing because that wasn't the way the Jewish people necessarily viewed God. About asking for the kingdom to come. Praying that he would give them each day their daily bread. Asking to forgive sins. And then finally, asking not to be led into temptation. All aspects that are also found in the Lord's Prayer. But what I find interesting is if you actually look at those, it's actually a fairly simple prayer. It covers a whole lot of things and it covers the ideas of just praying for what you need here and now. Pray for your needs. Pray for forgiveness. Pray that you're not tempted. But as is Jesus' way, uh, he realizes the disciples actually need a little bit more. And so he goes on to tell them a story. And and so we jump into verse 5 and it says this, Then Jesus said to them, and you can almost imagine this, I was going, oh, this will be good. All right, we're ready. Here we go, Jesus. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Now, remember, this is a story. This is a parable. This is not Jesus sharing something that actually happened He is creating the elements of this story to bring a point. But this is one thing you need to realise about the context of the time. Uh, It's not like today where you sort of have, you know, a telephone or email system that you can sort of call someone and say, hey, I'm going to be arriving at three o'clock, you know, make sure you put some food out or I'm going to be coming in after dark Just sort of leave the key under the mat and we'll let ourselves in. Uh, The reality was in this time, it was not uncommon For guests to arrive at any time, if they've been out on the path for, you know, three, four, five, six, maybe longer than that days, uh, they're not necessarily going to sleep on the side of the road just so they don't wake you at midnight. Now, of course, they would do what they could to not necessarily do that. But that was the reality of the culture of the time. You, if you had guests coming, and you may not even know that you've got guests coming. Uh, if you know someone and you rock up in the town, you would just go to their house and say, hey, friend, I, I, I'm here. I've got nowhere to stay. Can I stay with you? And so what this might sound strange to us. We're like, who's going to go to their place at midnight? Well, actually, we'll come to that in a moment. But the reality is that can happen. They could arrive at any time. The key point is notice what's asked for. They didn't ask for a Lamborghini that hadn't been invented yet. They asked for three loaves of bread. They gave a definitive need. It's obvious that the people that have arrived, they're going to need to be fed. And I've got no food in the cupboard. They've got a clear, definitive need. Please, can I have three loaves of bread so I can feed my guests? So he goes on and says this, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. That sounds more like what we'd probably say. I can't get up and give you anything. Anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So, actually, even if people did arrive at midnight, if they did arrive late, you would still be a bit like, Are you serious? Like, really? Are you really arriving now and asking for these things? And Jesus in the story says he's not going to give it to you because of friendship. It's not just because he's going to do that. It's actually the shameless audacity of asking for something so boldly at 12 o'clock in the morning. Again, Jesus is trying to create the tension and understanding of what it means to pray. How would you react if someone knocked on your door at midnight? How would you actually feel? I know that we'd be jumping through and probably hiding in the walk-in robe and pretending we're not home. I think that's what would happen. If, if the, especially if the doorbell rang and it was midnight. It's like, no, nah, don't look. There's, they can't see our cars because they're in the garage. So no, they don't have to know we're home. We can just pretend we're not there. And we can, there's even a window in our walk-in robe because it's so big it has to be a room. So we can even like, peek out through the blinds to sort of see if they've left. I think that's what I would probably do. Okay, so Jesus is setting up. This person isn't responding. Just because of friendship. This is a little bit outside the norm of what they would be expecting. But he does say, but he will do it. He will give those three loaves because of the shameless audacity to be so bold as to ask for those things which you need at that time. Friendship's why he asked, but boldness is why he receives. Then he goes on to say this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, here's my only challenge with this. This is where I want to get a little bit real as we look for our parable today. I don't know about you, but this doesn't entirely fit my lived experience. As you read this passage, this this passage is often given as the, so if you ask for it, God will give it to you. Just ask boldly and you will receive it. I don't know about you, but there have been many things in my life that I have asked for boldly at midnight. Not necessarily knocking on someone else's door, but you get the idea. And I haven't received them. So, what's going on here? Ask and you will receive, except when you don't. And so, as we explore this a little bit further, I want to be honest with you. There's a tension here that I actually don't entirely want to resolve. Oftentimes, as a pastor, you like to wrap it up in a nice neat bow and sort of send you out with all the answers. So you go, Oh, that's what that means. Okay, here's the reality. I know too many people who have prayed too boldly for too long and haven't received what they prayed for to stand up here and flippantly say that it's as simple as that. And Now, don't hear me saying that Jesus doesn't say that because he does. But I also don't want to demean the experience of many of you, I'm sure, who have prayed for years and years and years for something that you haven't received. What I do want to do is explore a little bit what might be going on to help us understand how can we know when God will answer our prayers and what's going on when he doesn't. Uh, one of my favorite movie scenes, not necessarily one of my favorite movies, but one of my favorite movie scenes is actually in the movie Bruce Almighty. It's going a bit old now, but many of you will have seen it. Uh, and Bruce is given the power of God. Okay, So already so I'm not going to watch that movie because that sounds a bit dodgy. But okay, But in this moment, we get a lot of insight into what it would actually be like if we got what we asked for, which is that we want to be God. Because what happens, he's got all these prayers coming in and it's sort of overwhelming him and he can't do anything else. And so he just goes, you know what, answer all prayers as yes. That will solve everything. If everyone just got what they wanted and the prayer was just responded to as yes. And then he gets on with things like that doesn't change anything. Well, what happens, everyone wins the lotto. Everyone, so therefore, you get like a dollar, which is not great, and and mayhem ensues, and actually, the whole of society breaks down, because you actually can't have everyone getting everything that they want. In fact, in some cases, if one person gets what they want, that goes directly against what someone else needs. It's actually not possible for All prayers to be answered as yes. And I can tell you this, every single one of those prayers is offered diligently. Every one of those prayers, every prayer you ever pray, you genuinely mean and you genuinely believe it's what you need. You genuinely believe that it's the right thing. But God cannot and does not answer every prayer with yes. And the other thing that's going on here is that we have to remember that prayer is not a formula for self-gratification. Now, that's a little bit of a harsh way of putting it to some degree because I'm sure that what you're saying is saying, but I'm not praying for myself. I'm praying for others. I'm praying for their needs. What, What I'm meaning by this here is in the context of the Lord's Prayer, it has a very clear focus on two main things. God's kingdom and the provision of daily needs. And the context that God brings to this piece is that he views this from afar and he's able to see the fullness of what the picture looks like. He knows what is good. He knows what is not. And we're about to actually explore and hear a bit more about what he says to help us understand that. So two of the things that I think are going on when we don't receive the answer to the prayer that we want is to just remember, to remind ourselves that God isn't going to say yes to all prayers no matter how much we're convinced it's the right thing. I don't know about you, I could certainly share some stories Where we were praying, or I've been praying for something, particularly around actually the early learning centre as we start the development around that. If some of the prayers that I prayed for in the early days had been answered with yes, we actually wouldn't have what we have now. But at the time, I was convinced this is what we need. God just help us do this. But actually when that didn't happen, it made us do something else. And that something else has actually led to a better project. But I was sure in that moment that what I was praying for was what we need. God will look at it from afar. He will see the big picture. So we'll continue on. Luke chapter eleven, verses eleven to thirteen. This is Jesus explaining a bit further. Which of which of you fathers, if which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so what we have is we we break it down and Jesus says, there's fish versus snake and there's egg versus scorpion. That sounds like a fun little fight, but we won't do that today. Uh, So a fish is a good thing. Snakes, generally speaking, aren't good things. Now, obviously, they're part of God's creation and there's things around that. But in the, in the context of this, if someone asked for a fish and they were given a snake, yeah, they would be asking questions. If they were asking for an egg, but instead got a scorpion that could sting them, they would be asking questions. Jesus is sharing in this parable that both the fish and the egg are good things. If, if, if a father is asked for a good thing, he's not going to respond by giving a bad thing. If a father has asked for a good thing, he's not going to respond by giving a bad thing. And so therefore, and it says, God, he knows even more than that. We might be evil in our thoughts and what we do, but God is going to give what is good. And what is most good is the Holy Spirit. And in many ways, that is actually how God answers our prayers is by gifting us the Spirit to continue to help us to know what is going on. So one of the things we have to learn to continue to do, and this is a lifelong journey, is pray, trusting in God's goodness and His desire to provide good things. That As we're praying, we need to trust that He actually can see what we need. He can see what we actually need in that moment. And to be bold and to proclaim to him, hey God, this is what I need, but to understand that we might be asking for a scorpion. We might be asking for a snake and not actually realise it. That God will give to us the things which are good and lead towards his kingdom purposes. Uh, There's a story of a missionary. His name was Oswald Smith. Uh, Great, simple name. He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed prayed to become a missionary. What could be wrong with becoming a missionary? I mean, seriously, if someone was to go, Hey, God, I want to be a missionary. Send me somewhere around the world. there, There could not be anything wrong with that. Surely they would be answered with yes. But then he was actually rejected By the missionary board of his denomination. Again, I don't have the full details as to why. But he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that that would happen. And he was rejected as a missionary. Now, he could have gone many different ways with this. He could have gone and gone, God, how could you say no? Why did you not provide this? This just makes sense. I mean, surely you need more people in your mission field. He could have gone and been resentful towards it. But instead... He went away and went, all right, God, if that's not what you have for me, then what do you have for me? And he went on to plant the People's Church of Toronto in Canada. And in his lifetime at that church, that church sent out more missionaries than any other church at that time. He was told, no, that is not the plan that I have for you. He was told, no, that is not what is good for you and not what is good for my kingdom. But here's what is good. I want you to go and start a church and I want that church to raise up even more missionaries that they would be sent out into my mission field to bring in the harvest. Sometimes what we're praying for is just not what we need. And I I actually realize I'm probably treading on some very delicate territory, so please uh, understand that I do understand. Because some of you have been praying for years for things, and you are sure that what you're praying for is good. Uh, I'm not saying that what you're praying for is not good, but if God isn't answering it with yes, maybe there is more to the story. That we just don't know so here's what i do know we won't always know why god says no it won't always be as obvious as it was with old oswald smith though it was only obvious after the fact when he was first rejected as a missionary i'm sure he wondered why god was saying no in that moment he probably had questions why god why and only in hindsight could you look back and say that's why But here's what we can know. We can know when he will say yes. He will say yes when it is in fact what is good for us. He will say yes when it is in fact part of bringing the kingdom one step closer. And we're still called to boldly pray and to ask and to perceive and to look for, trusting that a good God will give good things but understanding that that will not always be what we are looking for or expecting. So I think prayer serves a twofold purpose. And as we come towards a close, I'd love you to reflect on these few things. I think there's a, there's a key twofold process or focus that, that prayer really helps us with our purposes. Uh, one of them is prayer helps increase our understanding Of what God calls good. So as we pray and as we ask Him for things and as we see the things He says yes to, it actually helps to instill in us an understanding of what is actually good. When you first start to follow Jesus, you may not necessarily know what is good in your life and what you actually need. When you've been journeying with Jesus for a while, you actually start to get a feel for things and go, Yeah, I can I can see God saying yes to that. I can see because of the track record of the things that he's done in my life before and the ways that he's been building me up to this, prayer helps us over time to gain a better understanding of what God calls good, not what we call good. And then the second one is like it. It helps us cultivate a desire for what is good over time it helps to instill in us our own self-filter to get a feel for what is good what are the things that are going to be beneficial in my life and and to slowly start whittling away those things that we think are good but are not i mean i would love a million dollars just to fall out of the sky right now into my lap and i'm sure you'd be all saying yeah sure i'd be okay with that and you know what, I could probably use a million dollars for God's kingdom really, really well. So surely that's a good thing. But for whatever reason, in this moment, in this season, that is not the calling on my life, to be a millionaire. And I can pray and I can pray boldly at midnight. I might come and knock on your door at midnight. Yeah, does that sound sound good? <laughs> well, okay, there we go. All right, so if I actually get the million, that's a good answer. But the reality is, okay, I know that that is not what God is asking me to pray for. If I was praying for a million dollars right now, being honest, I would probably be doing it with ulterior motives. I'd be probably doing it with selfish motives. I'd probably want some new fancy thing that costs a lot of money. So over time, praying helps me cultivate an understanding of what is good and what God is calling me to ask for. And so sometimes you might go for years and you might wonder, why God, why are you not saying yes to this? And all I can say to you is that a good father is sitting there right beside you, holding your hand as you plead and plead. And don't give up because there's other parables that talk about the persistence of prayer. And that sometimes it actually is about testing and learning and growing our faith. But just remember that we trust in a good God who gives good things. And he will say yes when it is for his purposes. And when it is good for you and potentially good for the person that you might be praying for. But what I want to encourage you with as we, we do finish up this morning. Don't make your prayers safe. Remember the heart of this parable with someone who is shamelessly audacious in their prayer, rocking up to someone's house at midnight and asking for three loaves of bread. Don't go back into your shell and go, oh, I'm just going to pray for the things that I know that God will give me today because I can't handle no. Now, Jesus encourages us in many places, be bold in your prayers. Go boldly before the throne of gold and cast those things towards him. You'd never know when he just might say yes. But as long as you can hold that desire lightly and understand that if he doesn't say yes, that doesn't mean that he doesn't love you, doesn't know you, doesn't want what's good for you. It's a balancing act as we learn to pray. In that note, let's pray. Father, we do honour and glorify your name. We do pray that your kingdom would come in this church, in this community, in Australia, in this world. Your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Help earth to become as it is in heaven. We pray that each person here that has need, that you would provide for those needs. You would help us to receive those things that we need. Give us what we need this day. Lord, we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God and we pray that you would forgive us our sins. Help each of us be aware of those places where we are missing the mark. But thank you so much for the grace of God the grace that created through the death of Jesus Christ and the cross as we celebrated today through communion. Thank you for that. So, Lord, as we lead our lives, we pray that you would help us to strengthen one another and to ward against temptation, that we would keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Teach us to pray this day and every day. In Jesus' name. Amen.